0: I have a task before me because I, I want to inspire people to fast, but yet we started a sermon series uh, last week. How many were here? Raise your hand just so I can, oh you know, wow, that's amazing. This church is so, okay. Um, it was a great message by Kalen Bell. If, um, yes, it was, I'm telling you, it was extraordinary. It laid a very solid foundation uh, for us. Uh, it's not an easy topic to talk about the fear of the Lord. Um, and I, I imagine there's probably some question marks even going off in some people's heads today. Like, what does he mean, the fear of the Lord? Or is the fear of God? Because it, it, it's not necessarily a topic we address from the pulpit um, to our discredit as pastors. I, I don't know why we don't, you know, um, but we, we don't. Uh, but yet, nevertheless, uh, the, uh, fearing the Lord is not just an Old Testament, you know, concept if you'd call it that i guess or command i would i would go as far as called command uh then it's also a new testament and plenty of new testament authors jesus himself talked plenty about the fear of the lord and um I, I hope to get a little bit of my sermon today that will kind of um i think help us navigate even more through uh this topic but i also want to inspire people to join in and fast with us and i'm i'm kind of like caught up in this uh this is the split, but uh, how could I, in, in two seconds, right, briefly uh, convince and theologically persuade you to fast with us? I, I really don't know. I wish my wife was here because she could probably do it in like three seconds. Uh, but um, she's not, she's nursing our little uh, newborn who's got a snuffy nose, yeah, I know, I know. Abram had it and he gave him, uh, Benjamin, the impartation. Um, but you know, if I could say this about fasting and how it relates to this moment that we're in, okay? Because I mean, there's there's many reasons to fast. I think in the Bible, there's many reasons that biblical figures and characters fast. But for us, I think what what we could kind of say our fast is unto uh, the inbreak of God's kingdom. Um, that that that. And what do I mean? I mean that's that's, that's very broad. Like oh, Daryl, like that's not really helpful. Um, but. I think I said it best when I was talking to Andrew up here. Our, our desire is just not to provide backpacks and throw money at problems, you know, or brokenness and sin and depravity. That's not our desire. I mean, that's good, I'm all for it, I'm all for it. But but we, as a kingdom people, uh, desire more. And um, we realize that in our human strength, like, like, like I, can, I can't, I cannot, bring the kingdom of God to a broken city like Cambridge uh, with, apart from the spirit of God. And in my kind of quick definition of fasting what it means for me is it just kind of, I think pulls a little bit more on the heart of Jesus. And, and I, I kind of bear my desperateness. I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, it might not be, but I, I, in fasting I say, Lord, I'm emptying myself of myself because I want to make more space for you because there are people, there are a broken people out there that need you. They don't need Daryl. They don't need Hilltop. They really they need backpacks, but not entirely. What they need is Jesus. And not just us throwing the gospel at them in words, but, but, but showing them the gospel that's living and powerful in demonstration. And so that's my brief attempt to inspire some of you to join in uh, and fast with us. It's come upon us quickly. We thought we would be able to be a little bit more systematic with this, but we realized, I mean, if we knew that the dates changed, we probably would have started a series on fasting to help provide some context, but it's not the case. We're just being flexible and we're adapting to the situation. And so if you want to know more, I'd encourage you, come out, uh, you know, Wednesday night with us come out on Wednesday night where the focus is praying for this outreach, praying for these people in the city, come out and, and you'll hear a little bit more about fasting. And, and you know, fasting doesn't always have to be food related, or related to food. I'm trying to put down social media, that's what I'm trying to do, I, this is a vice, man, that thing is like, you know, i 'll always just scrolling, I'm, I'm trying to lay that down for a concentrated period of time. And that's the fast that I'm on. So anyways, that's my attempt, love it or leave it, um, that's where we'll leave it for today. Uh, we're going to pick up, and I'm probably just going to two-part this, because I actually get another Sunday after Kalen uh, preaches um, this coming Sunday. Uh, so I'm probably going to two-part this just for the sake of time. Um, and so I apologize if where I end today's sermon. It may be a bit awkward, but it will hopefully encourage you to get back out um, the next Sunday that I speak. Uh, you should be here every Sunday, honestly, if you can. You, you really should. No, I'm serious. It, it's actually... Uh, Taught in the Bible uh, that we are not to forsake the coming together the gathering of the saints Yeah, yeah see Joe knows because he knows scripture, Uh, you know, I'm serious, but Joe knows because he knows scripture And and that scripture that 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 particular scripture and, and many other have works worked its way into his heart and Have impacted him in such a way where he is here faithfully Sunday after Sunday. Yeah, there's some that he missed, but he is faithfully here and it's not because I've had to manipulate him It's not because I've had to like browbeat him like, Joe, you should come to church more. It's because he has seen a truth in scripture and he wants to now live it out, amen? Well, I don't know where that was from, but we'll just leave that there. In this context, believe me, some of you need to hear that. This once a month thing, it's not enough. Listen, you can come once a month. It's not gonna bother me any, but I'm gonna tell you, it's not enough for you. You need more. You've been designed to have more community, And not just the proclamation of the word being done in your bedroom through some kind of internet pastor. Okay. On the topic of the fear of the Lord. Amen. Love you guys. On the topic of fear, I I think I've shared this before. Um, I don't know what I was talking about at the time I shared it, but I I have been afraid of heights, I think, for as long as I've known I have this this, this fear. I, it's it's interesting. Um, the thought of not having my feet firmly planted on the ground at any time is is terrifying to me. It really is. And, and fortunately, and I, I, this is kind of the kind of fear. Hey, I'm holding on to. I have no problem with this fear. I don't want to be free. I I, I, I like this fear of heights because. I, I don't like the tingling sensation I get when I'm like in a plane, and that one time when I decided to jump on a roller coaster. I don't like that. Therefore, I, I'm happy with this fear. I'm holding on to it. There's nothing you can do to uh, uh, persuade me to get free from this vice. It's mine. I'm owning it. Leave me alone. I mean, it's great. I mean, I, I've been able to avoid all my life things like um, excessively flying. I hate airports. Honestly, I don't know, I know some like the experience of going around the world in the country. I could care less. It's not something that I'm like, oh my god, let's go fly. No, I don't like, you know, it really has to be a good destination for me to get into the plane, you see. Um, I I I have avoided roller coasters, which I have a 13-year-old son, okay? That is a miracle in and of itself. I I don't care, I'm not even remotely sensitive. Like when we're at an amusement park, he's like, Dad, ride this roller, I'm like, no. You know the deal? I don't ride roller coasters. I love you, but not that much. <laughs> not that much, right? I know, I love them, I love them. But I'm, I'm not gonna get on the roller coaster. I leave it up to Beth. I'm, I'm not lying. Beth, go ahead, it's yours. I am not getting on that roller coaster. And that's just the way it's been for I don't know, as long as I can remember. And I, 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 I don't skydive, which is interesting because I've been invited just last weekend. I was invited to skydive because uh, 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 I was officiating a wedding and somebody overheard that I, I was communicating my fear of heights and they're like, Oh, I got a perfect idea. Like, like uh, let's go skydiving. I'm like, dude, that is not a good idea. No, I'm not going And, and I think there's a, a fellow here who actually invited me at one time and he was of the mind that, well, he was like me, he had a fear of heights. And he's like, I'm going to go skydiving. I'm like, you're crazy. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, find some freedom and, and kind of like overcome this fear of heights. I'm like, uh, you know, there's worse things that you could be afraid of, dude. I would say just stick with it, it's working. But he's trying to invite me. I'm like, no, I, I don't wanna skydive. I, I don't even wanna be in a plane. Why in the world would I wanna jump out? Come on, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. My, my point is this in, in, in the humor of what I'm communicating. I usually don't make it um, my goal uh, to kind of join in and do things that I'm fearful of. It's my goal to kind of stay away from those things. I'm like, no, like that's not what I do. And I imagine many of us, unlike the person that I just mentioned, I won't say his name because he's actually here in this audience. um, But I I tend to wanna like avoid, am am I alone in that? I don't think I am. I wanna avoid the things that I'm fearful of, and I think that's reasonable. You know, it's funny, um, in uh, preparing my sermon, I was Googling some, uh, doing some research on fear and such, and, and I, I, I stumbled across this article um, done by Psychology Today, excuse me, that was written in 2019, 2009, forgive me. And, and I stopped at the article because the title was actually, it said, The Benefits of Fear. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, I don't know, in my mind, am I alone? I, I just don't see how there could possibly be any benefit in fearing things, people or such. But this article um, was written about this and they have done some research and I just wanna uh, say two things that they discovered. Um, and the first, is I totally understand it. It says uh, that they discovered that fear gives us a, a, a certain set of survival instincts. You know, when, when we need them, when we feel like we're in danger, like you know. And I totally, I you know, you know. I, I think yesterday I was mowing the lawn this bee came. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like get away from me, you know, like that fear, don't. Because I'm allergic, I gotta like this epipen, uh, you know, like. So I'm like, you know, like, like get off me. So fear, you know, get it. I get it. I get it. And then secondly, the article talked about how fear can temporarily, temporarily, excuse me boost our immune system, which I thought was fascinating, really. Yeah, let me read this. At a university in the United Kingdom, they held a study where the participants were shown a horror flick, a horror movie. Uh, Blood samples of the study participants were taken before and after the viewing. The results showed that the psychological fear responses caused by the film watchers to experience, they experienced, excuse me, a lift and activated white blood cells the type of blood cells that um, enable us to fight off diseases and repair our body. I thought that was fascinating. Now, I'm not suggesting you go watch some horror movies, okay? I'm glad my son's not here because he's trying to push, as a 13-year-old, he wants to watch horror movies. He came up to me yesterday, he's like, Dad, let's watch Halloween as a family movie. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Where, I I felt like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Where have I failed you, Anakin? You know, I'm like, what have I done wrong, son? But, you know, I I did kind of think, well, maybe we can, you know, boost our white blood cells. Let's have a moment, Abram. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Um, You know, obviously, these kind of um, tactics and this fear that the university employed here um, is not really the fear that we're discussing here today. It's not the fear that Kaylin touched upon uh, last week. Um, You know, we're all familiar, I'm sure. And I hear it out of a lot of your voices. Uh, Second Timothy 1.7, you can put up on the screen Here's a text that you hear a lot in the church. Uh, uh, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, I love this, but of power and love and self-control. I think the kind of fear that we're tackling uh, during this series is a Philippians 2.12 kind of fear. Let's turn there if you can put it on the, over screen, the uh, overhead. Excuse me. Philippians 2.12 says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm wondering how many Christians are aware of that text. I imagine many in this room are. Um, But again, uh, I I find it fascinating that we are more apt to recite texts that we see in Timothy uh, than we are uh, texts that we're reading here in Philippians. And I think that there's good and obvious reasons for that, right? We don't associate any type of fear as being helpful and necessary, right? We just, we don't see it as being a good thing. I mean, I don't, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. If you could nod your head and be like, oh yeah, Daryl, that that would be helpful. That mean, that way I would know I'm not alone, but I don't necessarily do that, right? I I certainly don't do that apart from reading texts like this. Um, I don't see the the necessity uh, and the helpfulness of fear when it comes to my salvation. I just don't see it, but, but, but Paul does. Like, honestly, my thoughts are more like, how could fearing God possibly produce positive things, and I don't, forgive me for all the peas. but how could it produce positive things pertaining to my salvation? But, but Paul sees the vital role that it plays, right? He does, that's what we read. In short, if I was to summarize Philippians 2.12, it would be this, and this might be easier to swallow. You know, it might be, oh, I get that. Because, you know, it just define some words of what Paul was talking about. Here's how I would summarize his words, in short. Work out the details, church, of your salvation with a reverent, sincere loyalty to God. I like that work out the details of your salvation with a reverent, sincere loyalty to God. I mean, who doesn't want that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want that. I imagine there are many here in this room that want that. And, and, and more than that, I know I am confident that God wants that for us. You know, uh, Old Testament figures as well as Jesus and some even New Testament authors and such, and apostles, they actually, the text says that they delighted themselves in the fear of the Lord. Actually, Isaiah, the prophet, spoke this of Jesus, that Jesus would delight himself in the fear of the Lord. I can't really wrap my mind around what that might look like, but man, could you imagine Jesus rejoicing and delighting in the fear of the Lord? I mean, yes, this is something that we kind of like recoil, you know, fear, what is this? But when we put it, when we soften and we look at the words of Philippians 2.12, we find that it has a bit of a different meaning, that fear is often um, meant to portray or, or give us the feeling of reverence, You're like re- revering God. Uh, my son, I talk a lot about him up at this pulpit. I, I, I hope for years to come I'll, I'll, I'll talk much more. It's kind of a case study, you know. I'm not gonna, gonna lie. I'm learning. He's a 13 year old, and we've gone from, you know, this cute little innocent non Halloween watching <laughs> little guy to a 13 year old hair growing all over his body. A smell, a stench. Yeah. Parents get ready for it. You got toddlers now, but it wants, it, Oh, it's going to hit guys, you know, stock up your old spice and uh, get some shaving cream and some razors. You're going to need it. But my son uh, last year, I, we didn't get all too scared when COVID hit. I'm gonna be, I'm, I, I share that now. You know, we were, we were still having get-togethers. I'm, I'm sorry, we were. And, um, and my son had plenty of get-togethers. Um, apparently his friends' parents weren't scared either. Um, but we, um, last summer, he asked me, I was gonna be home with him, and his mom was gonna go off and spend some time with some friends. Um, he asked me, hey dad, can we have some friends over and swim? It's gonna be a hot one. Uh, and can we swim and play football? My son loves football. Uh, it's probably no surprise to many of you because I share it all the time. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do that. We'll swim, we'll, we'll make some burgers, and we'll play some football. When we get hot, we'll swim again, repeat. We'll just do it all over. We'll, we'll eat some more, we'll, we'll just, yes. And, and in the throes of asking me that question, he said, Dad, dad I, I, you know, because usually when we play football, I break out the flags, you know, I'm that dad. If I could wrap my son in a plastic bubble, it would be great, so I'm, you know, I'm usually breaking out flags, we're gonna do a two-hand touch, and he's like, Dad, I don't wanna use flags today. I don't, I don't wanna do two-hand touch, I wanna tackle. And, and me and Bethany, we have been working hard to keep him away from tackle. He's actually gonna start tackle this Monday, actually. He starts, you know, no, we're giving in, we're giving in. It's part of, this is part of being parents, I guess. Just give in, you compromise. It's like marriage praise god Um, but uh i'm like yeah sure i don't want to be that dad i want to be that fun dad right yeah let's, let's let's beat each other up we'll swim eat and beat each other up on the football field that sounds good and we'll just repeat that we'll just you know whatever and so um we got out all his friends i think like eight of his friends are coming and we're getting ready. We're preparing, and getting the food out, getting the pool ready, and just you know, getting ready for the fun. And, and you know, I'm I'm there alone with him, and I don't know any of his friends' parents. And you know, it's kind of a custom that you kind of like introduce yourself, like you're not that strange dad. You know, I I, they, they, I know you know my wife. I'm actually or her husband. Yes, this is my son. I know you never seen me, but it's real. I I'm, I I'm I'm the guy. You know, I'm the guy that's gonna be responsible for your kid for the next six hours. Uh, so I'm meeting the parents at the door. They're dropping their kids off and and this one boy comes, his name is Jonah and him and my son are still friends. and he comes and he gets out of the car and I had to double take. I, I, I was like, what? That is not a 13 year old. I don't care what you said. That, that boy is at the wrong party. He's down the street at the 16 year old party. I know it because Jonah was rather big, for his age. And I don't mean overweight. I'm not trying to be rude. He was not overweight. He was just solid. His arms were like as big as my, you know, legs. They were just like, like literally I think he got out of the car and the whole car went, oh. you know, like, I'm like, what are you kidding, are you kidding me? You know, I'm, like, this guy, I'm like, this guy is at the wrong party. And in the back of my mind before we even get started playing football, I'm thinking, Oh, oh my God, my son wants to play tackle. Good nit. What are we gonna do about this? I immediately started to be concerned because I, I I hate letting my son down, and so you know I snap into dad mode. I'm like, okay, what can I do? I know what I can do. Let's delay. Let's get in the pool and just do a bunch of like boring games. And that's what they were. They were just boring games. And you could tell they were just like, this is boring, but I'm trying to delay and just keep them in the pool. I'm thinking if we can just keep them here, their parents will be here soon to pick them up and Jonah will not be able to hurt anybody. <laughs> but there came that time where, you know, all the kids were getting kind of bored and they're like, dad, we want to play football. They're all football players, every single one of them. And they're wanting to play. And I'm like, okay, let's play football. And so I usually just let them go and do it. But I decide I'm going down to monitor and I'll be all time quarterback. That's what I'll do for both teams. And I was trying to work a situation out where actually Abram got on Jonah's team. Some of the things, if, if I'm, if I can just get through this without my own son getting hurt, then my wife will not punish me. I, 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 I mean, I will just bear what I have to bear when it comes to other kids, parents, but as long as I can keep Abram safe, well, it didn't work. They split up and Jonah got Well, he was on the other team. And um, I was throwing to Abram's team and we were getting into the game. And to my surprise, Jonah was a tender hearted, kind, soft, like this gentle giant of a 13 year old. I thought this, I mean, he looked so intimidating. You understand, I was even intimidated. (laughs) And I wasn't even going to risk uh, being tackled by him But when I saw him play, I totally, I quickly realized that I misread Jonah. I misread him. I was wrong about Jonah. And he surprised me, he surprised me. It's funny, I didn't wanna share this, but um, it it all came undone when I I really got a good um, look into this soft, tender, gentle giant. He was on my team now, I was gonna to throw to them. And I was so impressed, you know, he's like, like if he would get around somebody with the ball, he would be like, two hand touch. He didn't even tackle, he'd be like, I'm like Jonah you're nobody who told you to do that you're like you're just doing that by yourself That's awesome, and then like, he let the other kids tackle him I mean they couldn't take him down, but they you know They're like they're jumping on on his back, and he's like ah taking him down the thing And I'm like this guy is amazing and and when it all came undone and unraveled what I really got a Snapshot into who this gentle little person was um, is when he was in our huddle and I was asking all the guys What, what route do you want to run and I came to Jonah And I'm thinking this guy's gonna have like some deep, like, I wanna do this. He's like, I wanna do this post route. You know, it's like, I'm like, this kid is awesome. I love Jonah. Okay, but story aside, right? You know, I can't help but think that some of us here in this room and some of us in the church have these same kind of thoughts and feelings that run through our mind when it comes to the subject, the fear of the Lord as well. We look at it, you know, we're like, we read some texts about it. We hear some sermons on it. And, and immediately we are like, what is this? What, what is this? What is this? What is this subject? What, what, what? Because I mean, when you think about loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, and then you clump fearing the Lord, you know, it, it gets messy. Like how, how do those things coexist? How do they? For me, it's like, and I think I speak for the most of us, it's like either one or the other, like the two can't coexist. And depending on who is teaching and who has the microphone and who's preaching, uh, some will say it can, many will say it can't. And what I would like to submit is that it can, it does, it should. This is God's desire and God's design. If I could put it this way, I think it would be this. A British author, John Alfred Spender, I didn't know of him until I started, so don't think I'm intelligent. I just Googled some things on the fear of the Lord, some quotes, and I found it. He said this, and I think this hits the heart of what I'm going after. Fear God, yes, but don't be afraid of him. Fear God, yes, but don't be afraid of him for me that gets right to the heart of the matter, right to the heart of the matter. I think even though some of us may not be able to make that separation, for me it's easy. I see a big difference between fearing the Lord and being frightened of the Lord. I think, and this is where I'll just wrap things up for the next time that we're together. I think if there was an example of this, a biblical example of this, it would actually be in Genesis, and I'm sure you know the story that I'm going to. It's in Genesis chapter three. It's the story of our first parents, Adam and Eve, right? If you're familiar, Adam had just disobeyed God, and he hears the sound. Imagine that, you hear, what does the sound of God actually sound like? But that's what he hears. That's what, the, that's what the, I think the author Moses says. He hears the sa- sound of God coming near to him, and what does Adam do? He hides, and the text says that he hides himself, why? Because he's afraid. You see, the fear of the Lord, I would say this in closing, acts as preventative medicine if we could say that. It's actually the gift that God gives us to repel us from sin, but not push us away from God. Being afraid, well, we see it here. We see the results of being afraid. I would say, and this is conjecture, but I would say what Adam and Eve were afraid of at that moment were the circumstances. How is God going to react to this moment? What are the consequences? What kind of punishment he's gonna throw at us? And thus, instead of drawing close to God, they hid from God. And I don't know about you, but I can relate to that in my own struggles and my own temptations and my own life to uphold God's law and obey his word. When I fall short, there's, there's, there's this flight mentality, you know, that I have. Oh my God, what's going to be the outcome? And I say that with reverence. I'm not saying that, you know, oh my God, what are you gonna do, God? How are you gonna treat this moment? I've sinned, I know I've sinned. And sometimes, I'll be honest, I pull away, I withdraw, I hide myself, I busy myself with work, I, I do anything but draw near to him. And, and this is the thing about the fear of the Lord. And, and this is where I'll just wrap it up and we'll, we'll pick up the conversation, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. Fearing God is a gift. The fear of the Lord, I should say, is a gift. That that God has given us, as I said, to work in a way that prevents us, not because we fear consequences or the punishments of God, of which the verdict is still out. I believe God disciplines his children. I'm a, I'm a, i am ai believe in Hebrews. You know, I believe God, you know, if I, if I sow something, I'm going to reap a certain something that there's are going to be a, you know, a certain kind of penalty for some of my actions. There's grace, but I know God is fair. He's just, he's not just going to let me get off the hook all the time. There'll be consequences. And maybe some of those consequences will just be the result of what I've chose to do. The, the decisions that I've made, maybe God's not in the details at all. You know, you smoke, you risk getting cancer, you know, you drink. And drive your risk, you know, hurting yourself and other people. You know, this is that kind of reality. But God has designed this thing called the fear of the Lord, one, for us to delight in, and then two, to work as preventative medicine so that we can keep ourselves, so we can keep ourselves within obeying and upholding God's laws and God's ways. And this is where we'll pick up the conversation, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Father. I pray for our church here in Hilltop. I pray for the beautiful people that you've given me and this leadership team the opportunity to lead and to pastor. And Lord, I imagine that not everyone here falls under that category. But for those who do, I pray, Lord, that you would do something different in our midst, Lord, when it comes to truth, when it comes to weighty things like a subject like the fear of the Lord like I pray Lord that we would um, not be fearful kind of like the way I was fearful of Jonah Lord so we just misunderstand we misread sometimes God and your intentions I pray God that we would be able to delight ourselves in this thing called the fear of the Lord and I imagine Lord so much as being left out for the sake of time Maybe some questions, God, uh, but we trust you to fill in those gaps, and we trust you to now work in us the fear of the Lord, that that the same spirit that you placed upon Jesus, the, the, the same words that you gave Paul to inspire the church, Lord, that we would, as the body of Christ, work out our salvation the details. Lord, not all of us are perfect. We've given our heart to Christ. And there are still many things in our life that need to catch up to that decision. Lord, there's there's some unsanctified things, Lord, that need to be dealt with and need to be sanctified, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that the, the fear of God is a gift that helps those things, those matters, those situations, Lord, catch up to the profession of faith that we made to follow you and to follow your ways. And so, Lord, I am asking for great grace to rest upon our church where, Lord, we wouldn't just be the church that, you know, likes, you know, the soft, sugary, sweetie messages. But, Lord, we would embrace the full counsel of God, all that you are, both love, both fear. God, we want it all. We want it all. And so we open our hearts, Lord, in these next two weeks. Lord, do a work in us. We pray in Jesus' name.